0: This morning we'll be in Luke chapter 18, verses 31 through 34. Before we get to our text this morning, have you ever had someone tell you something, maybe a story or how to do something, like you know, some, a process for uh, a, a job that they want done or maybe a task that needs to be done? and you have no idea what they're talking about because you didn't know or hear what the context was, right? You kind of maybe were tuned out, and you kind of jumped into the the conversation, and all of a sudden, you realize, oh, I have no idea what they're talking about. In our family, this happens a lot, and I'm not throwing shade at anybody. All of us do this, right? All of us in my family do this. Someone starts to tell a story. And about halfway through, there is always someone in our family, sometimes it's me, I'll admit, will ask the question, what are you talking about? And it's usually because that person, myself included, wasn't paying attention and missed the important information that gave context to the story that was being told. If someone tells you how to do something, but you haven't paid close enough attention to the directions or even what the final product might be, you just hear all of a sudden someone giving you instructions. Do you feel lost? Sometimes silly, sometimes even stupid. You're like, oh, I should probably know what they're talking about, but I'm now too scared to ask them (laughs) what I need to know to know what they're talking about. So this morning, Jesus tells his disciples what is going to happen when they get to Jerusalem. He's telling them what's going to happen to him when they arrive in Jerusalem, but they have no idea what he's talking about. They have missed or misunderstood all that Jesus has already told them and all that they had learned from the Old Testament about who the Messiah would be. So let's read Luke 18, verses 31 through 34. And taking the 12, he said to them, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished. For he will be delivered over to the Gentiles... Be mocked and shamefully treated and spit upon. And after flogging him, they will kill him. And on the third day, he will rise. But they understood none of these things. The saying was hidden from them, and they did not grasp what was said. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Your word that became flesh and dwelt among us, that word being Jesus, your Son, our Savior. And Lord, we pray that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear his very word given to us. Lord, may we be not only transformed by it, but conformed to it. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So last week we saw a young ruler come to Jesus. He was a wealthy man and he came and asked Jesus what he had to do to inherit eternal life. And we said that it was a kind of a silly question if you think about it, since you don't do anything to inherit something. Right, You inherit something because of the relationship you have with someone. You don't do anything to earn it. You receive it as a gift. It's given to you because someone loves you or has a close relationship with you and knows that what they are giving you in an inheritance will be something that you will enjoy or, or care for. we were confronted with the question, do we rely on ourselves for eternal life or do we fully understand that it is a gift, an inheritance, given to sons and daughters? We saw from the text that because Jesus is God, he does the impossible. He gives eternal life. We saw that there is no one good enough. There's nothing that we can do. But yet, that eternal life is possible because God is the God of the impossible. So, this morning we follow right after that interaction with the young ruler. We've just heard that those who heard Jesus teaching about how this young ruler, this rich man, how hard it is for someone like him to enter the kingdom... And if you remember in the context, we said that those who were listening would have thought if anyone can get into the kingdom, it's this ruler because he would have been of the ruling class of Pharisees of the Sanhedrin, which means he was a good man. He was well-respected he had wealth, which would have been a sign in their eyes of God's blessing on this man. And so if, if anyone can get into the kingdom of God, it must be this man. And yet Jesus says how hard it is for a man like this to enter the kingdom. It'd be easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle and that's exactly what Jesus meant. It'd be easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. And so the response is, by those listening, who then can be saved? You've just told us it's impossible to enter the kingdom Jesus responds, what is impossible with man is possible with God. We're following right after that interaction with Jesus teaching about this. Who can be saved? And Jesus' response was, as I said, what's impossible with man is possible with God. And Jesus then transitions from that interaction And he tells his disciples what is going to happen to him in Jerusalem. He tells his disciples something that sounds impossible. Let me read again. See, we are going up to Jerusalem. And everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished. For he will be delivered over to the Gentiles and will be mocked and shamefully treated and spit upon. And after flogging him, they will kill him. And on the third day, he will rise. None of that seems possible to the disciples. The first part of it doesn't seem possible. We are going up to Jerusalem, and everything that's written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished. In their mind, everything that's written about the Son of Man, the Messiah, is that the Messiah is going to be king, and he is going to reign forever and ever, and he's going to make everything right, and Israel is going to be the kingdom that it was meant to be. That's what they thought everything being accomplished. Meant. For he'll be delivered over to the Gentiles and will be mocked and shamefully treated and spit upon. And after flogging him, they will kill him. Wait, that's not that's not part of the Messiah's CV. Uh Uh-uh. No, Jesus. Nope. That is not what's supposed to happen. That's not what the old testament says. That's not what the prop, you just said the prophet, what the prophet said is gonna be accomplished. Does not compute, does not compute, does not compute. And on the third day, he will rise. Well, that's just crazy talk, Jesus. Nobody rises from the dead. Especially after being dead for three days. What's impossible with man is possible with God. That is the context of what Jesus tells his disciples and us this morning. And do we understand that Jesus is the fulfillment? Do we understand that Jesus is the everything? You may be here this morning you're like, "Oh yeah, I believe Jesus died and rose again and you know, for my sins, and I, I believe that. Good. Great. But do you understand that Jesus is everything? He's the fulfillment of everything. Everything. That we have in the word of God is fulfilled in him. Everything. Do we understand that the story of God, the overarching story, creation, fall, redemption, restoration, the, the big story, that everything is fulfilled in Jesus? Do we understand the story of God's people is fulfilled in Jesus, right? Israel itself is fulfilled in Jesus. There is not some other Israel. Israel is fulfilled in Jesus. Do we understand the stories that we learn in Sunday school are all fulfilled in Jesus? Do we understand the stories that seem impossible? A parting of a sea, the walls of Jericho coming down, everything that we read about in, this, in the Word of God, all of those things, the plagues of Egypt, all those things that we read about that we go, that's impossible. There's got to be some, you know, some explanation for that. Do we understand that all of that, everything, finds its fulfillment in Jesus. Everything in Scripture is fulfilled in Jesus. And that's the main point of our text. In Jesus, everything finds fulfillment. Everything. Not just our lives, not just our spiritual life. Everything and the entire cosmos is fulfilled in Jesus. And in our text today, it's everything that is written and everything that is to come. First, everything that is written. Right in verse 31. See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished. Everything or all things. It points to the way in which the gospel writer Luke, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, thinks not just of the Passion Week that is to come, the week that Jesus will be in Jerusalem, preparing to go to the cross that we call the Passion Week, and that program of events, but everything onto the glorification of Jesus beyond the resurrection. Everything. Luke, through the words of Jesus, is reminding us that everything that was written about the Son of Man will be accomplished. Luke gives us the words of Jesus, for he will be delivered over to the Gentiles and will be mocked and shamefully treated and spit upon. And after flogging him, they will, tell him, they will kill him, and on the third day he will rise. Luke uses these words of Jesus to remind us of this shameful treatment that he will Endure, which echoes in the Old Testament prophets, what the righteous, quote unquote, righteous, the only righteous one being Jesus, will and do endure. Jesus wants his disciples to understand that what is going to happen is not something that was an accident. It's not that Jesus just said something wrong and everything kind of went in a bad direction. He wants his disciples and us to see that this is no accident. It's not like this wasn't something that was expected. It's not, it wasn't some last-ditched effort to bring change that Jesus wanted to bring, or any other reason that skeptics might give. This is the third time Jesus tells his disciples in this travel narrative, right? We said, you know, back in chapter 9, he set his face toward Jerusalem. Remember, and over those, these nine chapters, Jesus has repeated and told of his coming death and resurrection he has told his disciples now for the third time what is going to happen to him this is not an accident jesus wants them and us to know that this that will happen in the week that is to come in jerusalem was not something that just happened, but has been planned. That it was foretold by the prophets that God in in the Trinity had planned this from the foundation of the world, that this was how the world would be saved. It was all there in the Old Testament if you had eyes to see. It's all there. Jesus knows where his journey leads. He will suffer the rejection of his own and of the world and he suffers knowingly and willingly. Brothers and sisters, it was not a mistake things didn't just get out of hand jesus went knowing that this was the plan from the beginning he came for this purpose yes he came to teach He came to heal. He came to release. He came for all those things, but they all pointed to the core reason why Jesus came. He came to die. And no one can put that on him from an earthly Perspective. No one forced him. This was his plan and decision in the eternal Trinity. He suffers knowingly and willingly. Everything that is written. Right? This will be what Jesus does on the road to Emmaus after his resurrection. He will open the minds of those disciples on the road so that they can finally see and understand that everything that they knew about the Messiah, everything that was written in the Old Testament was pointing to what Jesus had been saying the whole time. And they missed it. Everything that is written, also everything that is to come. Jesus says that he'll be t- that the, he'll be delivered over to the Gentiles. That this is uh, foreshadowing to uh, Pilate and the Roman authorities. It's a direct reference to the trials of Jesus and the charges that will be evaluated by Pilate. He is pointing to this passion week of being turned over to be mistreated to be shown that what is to come when they get there and when they experience it is something that Jesus has already told them of and that all these things that he lays out all the ways in which he will be mistreated all the ways in which he will finally come to the end of his life Right. What happens is the disciples, in their fear, in their mourning, in all that is happening in that week, forget what Jesus has said. And though Passion Week becomes the stumbling block of the faith of not only the twelve, but of others as well. And that will only be reversed by the resurrection. It is only after the resurrection that their eyes are open, that they begin to understand. And after the resurrection, what was once the stumbling block, right, that the Messiah would suffer and die, that was the stumbling block. That was what they could not comprehend. But once the resurrection takes place, it becomes not the stumbling block, but the central focus of our faith in Jesus, It's still a stumbling block to this day. And yet, that stumbling block is the central focus of our faith in Jesus Christ that he died and rose again. That seems ridiculous to many, maybe to you this morning, maybe at one time it seemed like a ridiculous proposition. What is the stumbling block has become the cornerstone of our faith. This is what Jesus' life, ministry, and purpose has all been about. It's what it's all been for. And Jesus gives this detail so they might have something to look back on, to remember in the week to come. But they don't understand, the text says, because it had been hidden from them. Right? God in his providence hides this from them so that they do not yet fully understand. But they will understand in the resurrection. They cannot see how fulfillment will come this way. They cannot grasp how this will fulfill scripture or how the Messiah could suffer. He says that he will die and he will rise on the third day. It's so ultimately not about defeat but of victory. And this victory will make everything in the entire cosmos about what Jesus accomplished through his life, death, and resurrection, the restoration of the whole world. You see, what is to come was not just merely what will come in this final week of Jesus' life, the Passion Week, but what is to come, Jesus says, is everything is fulfilled in me. Everything that is to come. Not just what is to come in this final week. Though that is important. He prophesies. He tells of what will come before it happens. So that they know and we know that he went knowingly. But everything to come is even beyond that. Because he says that he will rise. And this victory will make everything in all the universe and the entire cosmos about what Jesus accomplished through his life, death, and resurrection. The restoration of everything. Not just souls, as important as they are, but the restoration of everything. It took the cross and the empty tomb To make them understand. Without these things, the disciples would have been lost. They they were lost. They did not understand. But the cross and the empty tomb brought a new understanding, a new insight. What was would never be the same. Jesus filled it all. For us this morning, the same thing is true. What was will never be the same. Jesus has fulfilled it all. Everything is fulfilled in Jesus. Everything is about him. If you are in Christ, your life, my life, All that that means is fulfilled in Jesus. Our work, our play, our studies, our relationships, everything is fulfilled in Jesus. It's all about Him. He fulfills it all. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for your word. Your word, Jesus, came, lived, and died, and rose again. Sits at your right hand. And Lord, we await his coming to finish what he started making all things new. Lord, we pray that as we have come to your text, this, this text this morning, Lord, that we be reminded of the amazing grace, amazing love, amazing mercy, amazing hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Or, Lord, if there are those here today that have heard this for the first time, or maybe the first time in a new way, Lord, that you, by your Spirit, would cut to the quick. Open their heart and their mind to know what is impossible with man is possible with God. We pray this in Jesus' name.